1: We are going to introduce Pastor RJ with the message, I quit. (laughs) I can have a lot of fun with this message. Where is he going with this? Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all together. So (laughs) for fun, when I was looking into this message, we... um, I was fooling around online with this thing called uh, ChatGPT. Some of you younger folks might know what that is. It's an AI chatbot. Anyone? No? So I asked it for fun to write a message. And I was going to preach it to you, but I I didn't like it. So I'm going to start with giving you the ChatGPT's message, and then I'm going to preach the message I have, and then after you can tell me whether the computer did a better job generating a message or whether the human did. You guys are looking at me like what it didn't do too bad good morning beloved congregation um it sounds surprising to you when you hear the words i quit but they carry some weight that could cause concern and confusion and then it goes on we have to quit negative self-talk people get trapped in a cycle of negative self-talk it says we quit the pursuit of perfection um We quit toxic relationships. We quit complacency. We quit a life of fear, which paralyzes us. And then in conclusion, um, quitting can be an act of courage, a transformative decision to let go of what no longer serves you and embrace. The only thing I found was there is like zero scripture (laughs) in the message. Zero. But it's concerning because people could preach that and probably pass it off as a sermon. Um, We'll see how it goes. Thank you all for participating in the AB offering. Uh, There may be a few more that are gonna participate through the course of the year, it's not too late. Thank you all for reading our newsletter so you do know what's going on. It's a great way to find out what's happening. There's key data in there. Sometimes some of you will find it interesting, you know, like that our creative camp is now full, yay. Um, And uh, there's some job opportunities that are posted on there, job opportunities. Yeah, there's opportunities on there for some of you. And I was going to start with my own monologue on why I want to quit and what I want to quit. How many of you find that relationship can be draining at times? People, they suck the life out of you. Has anyone ever walked down life and people do that? How about other times uh, we try to keep up with the proverbial Joneses? Has anyone tried to keep up with your neighbors? Or know people that do and you can never quite get there um how about in life sometimes we believe lies about who we are or who we were made to be challenges hurdles obstacles at every turn how many know that in life we find from time to time our identity gets challenged our love walk gets challenged our maturity gets challenged and it makes us want to quit don't we I mean has anyone ever come to the place where you're like yeah I'm just done I don't want to do this anymore now we're Christ followers though so we know better you know we go home we get in our prayer room and we say okay Jesus we're going to work this out but here's the thing there is some things in life that we need to quit so I'm going to suggest to you that I'm going to quit I quit I quit trying to do it on my own because anything that's not inspired and directed by Christ, I don't know that it's gonna have any eternal value. I quit trying to please people, but then some of you won't like that when I don't try to please you. (laughs) I quit trying to be good enough for God to accept me. Everyone say, yeah, that's me. I quit the craziness. But I want you to ask yourself a question. What do you need to quit today? Let's start with this one. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm going to suggest to you that you need to quit listening to lies about your identity. Who are you? Whose are you? No, really, who are you? Are you living out the identity that God has given you? So many times people believe the lies about themselves. This prohibits you from reaching all that God has for you. So many people, oh, I could never do that. I don't think, God, you're not calling me to go tell other people about my faith. Actually, he did. That's why in the scriptures it says, go and make disciples who make disciples. It's for all of us, not just the people that take a title pastor or apostle or evangelist, it's for all people who call themselves Christ followers were to go and share the love of God with others. And you can do it, it's a part of your new nature in Christ. It's something he placed within you. So part of your identity is as Christ follower is I have confidence and courage to share my faith with others. But so many times when you struggle with who you are, whose you are, who God made you to be, and what he's called you to do, or the assignment on your life, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be angry, and a lot of people have negative feelings about themselves. No one in this room, though. No one has ever looked in the mirror and said, I don't like what I see. All of you look in the mirror and say, I am incredible. I am made and fashioned in the very image of God and he created me for greatness and I am destined to accomplish his works here on planet earth and I'm going to love people and people are going to love me, right? You look in the mirror and say that every day. No? I I look in the mirror and notice I don't have quite as much hair as I used to. And I might carry a little more weight in places I don't want to carry it or. (laughs) We have to start confessing God's truth over our life, but not just confessing it. You have to believe his truth. The Bible says things like, I am the righteousness of God. Where in Christ, I can do all things through who through Christ. I was made to, I was made to be loved. Stop listening to the lies about your identity. So quit, everyone say, I quit. I quit listening to lies about my identity. The next thing I wanna to talk to you about, we need to quit listening to the lies about our gifting. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible translation. Just as each of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God Employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. Faithfully using diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. God has placed giftings inside of all of you. And they're all different. And the expression of the giftings are very different. Here's a really silly example of this. Has anyone ever played organized sports? You know, when I was young, I actually played a sport called uh, soccer. Some of you might call it football, okay? But when I was new to soccer, my first year playing, the coach put me on defense. I was a pretty good defender. I made the All-Star game. But then something happened at the All-Star game because I thought at that time, I'm a good defender, but I'm not a scorer. But when we got to the All-Star game, the right wing got injured, and the coach took me from right defense and moved me up to right forward, and I scored two goals. And then, (laughs) I scored a lot of goals after that, but (laughs) my point is this, up until that point, I believed a lie that I was not a scorer, that I was a defender. But when I started activating in that gift as right wing, I learned that I could score goals on the other team. And I became a scorer of goals in soccer. Now that's a silly illustration, but what happens is when you believe a lie about your gift, you never operate in what God has assigned you to do. Because often there's this enemy of comparison or competition, where we look at someone else and say, well, they do it better than I do, so I don't need to do it because they're going to do it. But I've learned everybody brings something to the table. Everybody brings a unique perspective. Everybody has skill. Everybody has talent. Everybody has gifting. Everybody. Not everybody but you. Who thought that? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. But some of you thought that for a second, didn't you? Well, everybody said, but not me. I don't, have as many, I don't have as many gifts as the person sitting next to me does. How could I? God has uniquely gifted you to accomplish the assignment that he has placed upon your life. So you need to quit listening to the lies about your gifting. Quit looking at yourself like you're inferior. Quit looking like yourself like you're not good enough. Quit believing the lies and start believing the truth. If God has given special gifts and talents and abilities graciously because of his grace to you steward that gift well to the best of your ability with everything that's in you I can correctly say you will likely never see me play keyboard and sing on the platform I know my limitations. (laughs) I have some gifts, but that's not one of them. (laughs) So I'm not gonna try to be something that I'm not. I would love to go play and sing over here like Mitch or go back there like Aiden and just jam away and grow my hair long. You know what? God wants me to have a shiny head. (laughs) Let the light shine. (laughs) But see, we all have gifting. Stay with the gifts that God's given you and just cultivate those and activate those and practice that. I love seeing people come in and exercise the gift of vacuuming and sweeping and mopping and the gift of like cooking and driving and, all kinds of gifts. There's people down the hall that are gifted right now taking care of our kids, the children. God bless them. I wanna say I did my time. (laughs) It's a blessing to be able to invest in the lives of children. And the truth is for years, I taught a nine to 12 year old class. And I don't know that I was very good at it, but I was faithful and I showed up every week and I came up with the lesson and I had kids do all kinds of crazy things like run into walls and jump off chairs and and anyway. Uh, But to this day, some of those kids still check in with me 30 years later. They still check in and let me know how their life is doing. We still have conversation. I don't know that I did anything super special, but something must have happened in their life that they still remember 30 years later. We invest in our children. But some of you, you don't want to exercise the gifts that God has given you, and I don't understand that. But you always look around at other people and say, oh, they can do it better, they can do it better, but you just have to say, okay, God, I'm going to be me, and I'm going to do me, and I'm going to do this, and do it to the best of your ability. So quit listening to the lies about your gifting The next one is, we need to quit listening to the lies about our purpose. In Proverbs 3, very popular verse, most people have heard it, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, over the years, it's through understanding the scriptures that we learn to discern and to reject lies especially the ones that circumvent our true purpose in Christ. See, it's the scriptures that shine light in the lies that we believe about our purpose. If Jesus said he made you an image bearer, God made mankind in his image, and he put you here on planet Earth, and as we share his light or his love or the message of hope, however you want to call it, the salvation message with others, this is our mission, our assignment, our purpose, we work with God to redeem humanity in our communities. This is what we do. And and what happens is the lies about your purpose will stop you from accomplishing your purpose as long as you keep believing the lies. That's why we have to go to the word of God to see what the truth from his word says about it, even if you're living a contradiction in your life. Has anyone ever walked through a contradiction? You know what that is, a contradiction? A contradiction is when God's word says that you are blessed and highly favored and fortunate and to be envied, but you're not feeling like you're blessed and highly fortunate and to be envied at the moment. And you look at the truth of his word that says he has called you, he has destined you, he's with you. He's for you, he's saved you, he's healed you, but you might be walking through sickness right now. And there's a contradiction between what you profess and believe and know to be true in the word and what you're living out in your reality. Keep walking down that path with Christ. Keep believing the word of God is true. All of us are called to take up our cross daily. Can everyone say daily? And to share the love of God with others. All of us. That means we live a crucified life. What does that mean, crucified life? That means our flesh doesn't control us, our spirit does. That means the earth earth suit, the stuff you see, doesn't get to tell me how I'm going to live every day. My spirit's gonna tell me how I'm gonna live every day. No matter what I see, no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on around me, my spirit says, I will continually give thanks to the Lord my God. I will lift up holy hands. I will continue to let his praises come forth out of my mouth. These are the things when the rubber meets the road, that it gets hard to do. Because how many know your flesh has a very loud voice and sometimes it doesn't like to submit itself to the Spirit of God? Or often. So I think most of us need a reformation in our lives. Reformation. I'm a reformer. I'm gonna take you to a passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. I'm gonna read verses 1 to 8 in the New International Version. The Spirit of the God, the Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Obed, Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa and Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, and when you are with him, and when you are with him, if you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law, but in their distress, they turned to the Lord and the God of Israel and sought him and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. Here's what he did. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim and repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Temple, Courageously, Asa tore down the idols, reset, he repaired the altar, and he kind of reset worship of the one true Lord. But my question for you right now, 2023, sometime after this was written, see, he was a reformer here. There was a reformation that happened in Israel, and there was this spiritual awakening that took place that produced a moral change in the culture. Moral change does not happen without spiritual awakening. Hearts change, moral code follows. Politicians don't change moral code. Heart change does in a nation when the hearts and minds of men and women like you and I who go out into the culture and take the message of hope and the love of God to others that's what transforms the world around us what are the detestable idols in your life though what are the things that are preventing you from worshiping the one true God and going all in with Christ for some of you it's relationships and sex outside of covenant. Some of you it's substance and addiction. Some of you it's the things you watch or read, the movies, the books, the clips, the games. Some people like their cars more than they like God. Some people it's clothing. Some people are people people. It's all about the people they know and who they Some people it's about money. What's the idols in your life? How do you determine if it's an idol in your life? Does it take God's place? What do you run to when you're in trouble? Do you run to Christ or do you run to your idol? What do you run to? And are you willing to courageously throw your idols down? See, your heart can be an altar. It's a place of death where you die to self and what you want. But it's also a place of life where God's favor and blessing and reward come upon you because of your obedience to let the idols die. We need to come to the place where we stop saying, I can't, and begin saying, with God, I can't. I can overcome. I can be what God has called me to be. And I can do what God has called me to do. And I can go where God has told me to go. And I can share with who God tells me to share with. And I can pray for who God tells me to pray for. And I can be an image bearer here on planet earth. So when we're looking at that in Galatians 6, 7 to 10, don't be misled, you can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, which is your flesh or your earth suit, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Sorry, from the spirit, (laughs) from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. In some translations, it's read, and let us not be weary in well-doing. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Rick Renner, he's got some books out on the Greek language sparkling gems, and he talks about this verse, and I'll just read what he wrote, a paragraph. He says, I've told you before, but today I sense a leading to tell you again, you must stay steady on track with the assignment the Lord has given you. Believe me, I know what it's like to get tired of staying steady and holding the course. This is Rick Renner's words. But those moments when you're tired and tempted to quit are the exact times when you need to grab hold of the power of God and determine that you're not going to stray from your course until you finish what God asked you to do. In moments when weariness tries to get the best of me, I meditate on Galatians 6 9, which I just read. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The word weary is from the Greek word ekakos, a compound of en, which means in, and kakos, which describes something evil. Here it actually depicts a person who is tempted to throw in the towel and quit, thus surrendering to evil. In this verse, God commands you and me not to surrender to any temptation to give up. He promises that in due season, a harvest will be reaped if we won't quit. The manifestation of what each of us is believing will come if we will not cave in and give up. How many times in your life do you quit before you get to the place that God has called you to go? How many times are you walking down the path and you're standing firm and you're standing firm and it's not working out how you think it should and you're standing firm and you're standing and you're just about to that place of breakthrough and you're like, ah, I'm done, I quit, I'm done. And we walk away and we never accomplish that part of the assignment on our life. And sometimes years go by before we go back to that place and go, man, I should have went a little further. And sometimes there's regret and remorse and there's all kinds of things connected to that. But we have to get to that place where we're just, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? And we're obedient and we do what he's asked us to do today in the moment, in the now. From there, I have three, four, five, no, three. (laughs) Three things I wanted to talk about that will help us to accomplish the plans that God has for us. The first thing we have to do is quit complaining and murmuring. It says it a few times throughout the scriptures, but most notably, I think, in Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing. How many love it when you're sitting next to a complainer? How many love it when you tell the kids to do the dishes?" and they, well, I don't want to do the issues." Or your coworker because the boss says, "I need you to do this," and I don't want to do this." I don't want to do this." Anyone ever hang out with a complainer? How many like being around people who murmur all the time? They always got something to complain about. They always got something to say. How many like those people? Nobody? How many are those people? <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> if the Bible tells us to do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything without complaining and arguing. We need to stop and quit complaining and quit murmuring. I mean, I hear about it all the time, but Israel, <laughs> God miraculously delivered them from Egypt in slavery in like a moment. I know there was plagues and but in one night they were delivered. And now they're in freedom. And he miraculously delivered them. And they go through on dry ground across the Red Sea. And whether you believe it was 30 feet of water and he opened it up, or whether you believe it was two feet of water and God drowned the entire Egyptian army in two feet of water. I don't care. Okay. He miraculously de- and as soon as they got to their place of freedom what did they start doing wah, wah, wah. back in egypt we had leeks and cucumbers wah. <laughs> right wine 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 complain 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 and it took them 40 years of wandering around in the middle of nowhere to get where they were going Sometimes you ever wonder why you're not getting where you think God wants you to be? Maybe look in the mirror and say, Do I complain a lot? And then listen to yourself. Because complaining isn't going to get you to the destination that you need to get to. And murmuring isn't going to help you either. So let's do everything without complaining. So quit complaining, quit murmuring, quit whining. Here's another one that really tends to throw people for a loop. Uh, Quit fear-based behavior. Isaiah 41.10 amplified. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice and power, of victory, of salvation. The scriptures tell us like over 360-something times, 360... Fear not, don't be afraid. But how many times do we uh, default to fear-based behavior? God says, go do, and you say, "Uh uh-uh. God says, I want you to share this, and you say, nope, not me. God says, do this, and you say, no, I can't do that. How many decisions do you make every day based on fear? As opposed to faith. Faith means, God, I trust you 100% no matter what's going on. Fear says, God, I don't trust you, so I'm going to take matters into my own hand to try to fix things. Fear says, I know better than trusting God. (laughs) You're going to have a hard time operating in fear and faith at the same time. They're kind of opposites. Can you travel both east and west at the same time? Seriously, can you walk that way and that way at the same time? No. You pick a direction and you walk that way. If you're walking in faith, you're not walking in fear. If you're walking in fear, you're not walking in faith. But what are you so afraid of? Oh, they might kill this body. Oh, well. <laughs> we get a new body. What's the big deal? Anyone? Anyone? oh they might not like me <laughs> boo-hoo <laughs> didn't like jesus either <laughs> still don't <laughs> Still don't like him if you're a christ follower and they hated him they're gonna hate you it's okay you get a reward for it it's all good i might not succeed okay did anyone learn how to walk by just standing up and started walking and you never fell down when you were learning? I don't remember, I wasn't conscious enough when I started walking, but I assure you, if you went back to those days, I probably took a few steps and fell down and took a few more steps and fell down. And I kept getting up until I eventually learned how to walk without falling most of the time. Sometimes I trip over my own feet, just like everyone else. Actually, usually I kick stuff. What are we so afraid of? Are we afraid that someone else can do it better? Who cares? You know, I like to eat food. (laughs) And the truth is, when I go somewhere to eat food, sometimes I think, yeah, I could do this better. But most of the time, I'm just happy to be eating food. Now, if I'm paying someone to cook food that I can cook better, eh, I don't like that. But just because someone else can do it better doesn't mean you don't do it. There's only one person on the planet that's the best, and that's usually subjective on things like food. You catching this? Because how many of you like your apples sweet? Sweet. How many of you like them crispy and bitter? Sour. (laughs) Sour Sour apples. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying. Right? You're not going to always get agreement on that stuff. But what happens is, if we're operating in faith... And the scriptures tell us not to fear. We can't be afraid of anything. No matter what God tells you to do, no matter where he calls you to go, no matter who he tells you to go talk to, how much money he tells you to give away, do you trust him enough to be obedient and stand firm on his promise despite what happens after that? there's times you know after church we pray for people at the front of the church and sometimes people come up and there's times I'll share with people this is what I feel God's placed on my heart for you and I'll share the word and sometimes they look at me and go yeah that means nothing to me I was just being obedient stick it aside maybe in a year or two it'll mean something but right now okay no problem I was just being obedient doing the best I could to listen and obey in the moment There's other times I'll share with people and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. How do you know that? I didn't know that God knew that. And he wanted you to know that he knew. Stop being afraid to be a Maple Leafs fan, Mike. (laughs) It's okay, you can come out of the closet and be a full-fledged fan. I know, he saw that. <laughs> Quit comparison. In Galatians 6, 2-5 to amplified, carry one another's burden in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. For if anyone thinks that he is something special when in fact he's nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. But each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior. And then he can have personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. For every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings, which he alone is responsible. Did everyone see that part where it says, for every person? How many of you are in every person? I think that includes all of you will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings, which means we all have them. And we're responsible for what we do with our faults and shortcomings. But God doesn't want us to compare ourselves to the person sitting next to us like they're better than us or worse than us. The cross is the great equalizer. I promise you at the foot of the cross, all mankind is equal. We're all sinners who are saved by the grace of our savior and the blood of our savior. Okay, so stand up with me today if you could. Now, I know normally what we do is we partake of the Lord's Supper communion at this point in the service. However, um, those lovely communion elements that we get for all of you are backordered like almost everywhere. So normally we get shipments on a regular basis and none came and no one else has any. (laughs) We've been trying to find some. Anyway, so um, we will not be able to partake together today of the Lord's Supper. However, that doesn't mean that I don't have a question for you. Here's my question for you. Are you ready to quit? And what are you ready to quit? That's the question. Because there's some things that are idols in your life. There's some things that are detrimental, fear, comparison, right? Those things are going to bring you down. There's other things we don't need to quit, like following Christ, loving people, standing firm. But I want you all to look within for a moment. So bow your head, close your eyes, look into your own heart and ask the Holy Spirit to show you and reveal to you. Is there things in my life that I need to quit? Is there things that I need to let go of? Is there things I need to change? Is there things I need to stop doing? I told you, we all have our faults. Everybody has something they need to quit, but If God's speaking to your heart and you want a point of contact for that, in other words, you want a place where you can just take that thing you need to quit and just lay it down. Come out of your chairs and come down to the front. There's lots of room up here. You can all squeeze down to the front if you like, but come down and join us up here. Come down and join me up here at the front and be brave and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna lay it down. I'm gonna lay down fear. I'm gonna lay down anxiety. I'm gonna lay down shame hatred and self-hatred and self-doubt and unbelief and all the things that are keeping me from being who you want me to be. I am going to quit living in the flesh and I'm going to start living in the spirit. And I refuse to give up my relationship with you. I will not quit in the things that matter. I will stand firm. So as everyone's coming down and then I'm just going to pray a prayer for everybody. But come on, Come come down, Don't, don't keep delaying. If God's telling you to come and lay something down as a point of contact. Are you ready to quit? Jesus, and all of us can raise our hands up right now as I pray, Jesus, as we come together as a body, none of us have arrived and none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough without your blood. It's only because of your blood that we're worthy. It's only because of Christ. Jesus, take the throne in our heart as we purpose to lay down all of the idols, all of the things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of you and your word and your truth. Father, we lay them down at your feet, at the foot of the cross, and we leave them there. Lord, let the selfish ambition and the self-will self deprecate Let it die today as we take on the nature of Christ. Let fear and shame and anxiety go in the name of Jesus. Let sickness leave in the name of Jesus. Let peace come. Let love come. Let joy overwhelming come. Lord, today, As we stand for you, Lord, we will bow to no idols. We will quit doing the things that keep us from you, and we will continue loving you and loving others as we go about your business. In Jesus' name.
0: Well, family, we have been realigned. Recovered, repaired, restored, replenished. I love those re-words. Thank you, Pastor RJ. We needed that. I know I needed that. We have angels that are in the unemployment line because they don't want to bring to pass what our words have been speaking. Did you ever notice that trees and flowers and plants lean into the light to grow and flourish? Our light is the word of God. You need to get back into the word and start saying what he has already said. Thank you, Pastor RJ. Yes, I received that word because I am guilty, and I had a lot of oopses going on this morning. Yes. So, so forget the oopses. Uh, plead the blood. Ask for forgiveness. Slate is clean. Amen. You have been equipped. Windsor Christian Fellowship. Go. Leave the church. Good job. Amen.